Bridging Scott, there's a bit of a lull in the Bruins schedule midweek. So we are doing our um, one of our new mailbag episodes where listeners have a chance to give us any questions that they want regarding the Bruins. Um, and there's a lot of them this week to get to. So we're going to do just that. But first and foremost, Bridget and Scott, how are you guys today? I'm good. Just got back from a Bruins optional practice as we sit here and record. Um, Got to say, not a ton of news came out of that, but which makes makes it even better that we're doing a mailbag, uh, you know, fill some time. Um, who yeah, optionally um, who optionally practiced? Uh, actually, mo- most of the team was was on the ice and they were all in the building because they still had a team video session. Um, so it wasn't no one had like a complete day off. Well, that makes sense, especially since they've been saying they haven't gotten a lot of practice. But um, yeah, and I'm I'm good, guys. I am doing great. Tired. Tired. <laughs> um, for me, I feel like a college kid. I'm like ready for winter break because then I get <laughs> I have a few weeks off from doing broadcast. So <laughs> I'm ready tired. for winter break, guys. I'm my final exams are almost over, and <laughs> I can maybe sleep. You're tired, but you're ready to answer some fan questions, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So. Let us get right into it. First question is an email from Tom. What do you think of the Noah Hannafin rumors? The Bruins were interested in him before. He would be a great fit. Could they get him? Uh, In addition to Tom's question, we're also going to skip ahead to a question we got on Twitter from what we think is Scott's alias. Just kidding. It's not. But uh, Bridget's favorite account, which is Don's Weenie. And his question is, at this point in the season, how much of an upgrade, if any, is someone like Elias Lindholm over Zaka and Coyle? The main benefit would likely be the ability to move Zaka slash Coyle to wing, but they could get a cheap, uh, they can get a winger for cheaper than Lindholm. Is adding center worth it? So basically Lindholm, Hannafin, Flames, Bruins, what do you guys think? First of all, no, I need to respond first here because... I was busy trying to look up something about Noah Hannafin when I hear Brian say Don's Weenie is Bridget's favorite Twitter account. And I did not have a chance to respond because my mic was off because I was Google searching. So I mean, you, it, me, it, it makes not. you laugh all the time. You know what I mean? You know what I meant? Come on now. <laughs> it, it does it, make me laugh. We keep it yeah. family friendly on the pod. It does. Bridget, it, Bridget it, you, you told us that right before we went live. You said that was your Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so just we'll, we'll go there. And, and you know what, Scott, you can take over from here. <laughs> yeah, so obviously we've talked about this going back to the offseason, saying like the Flames are going to be probably the most interesting team to watch when it comes to the trade market because they have so many pending free agents and really haven't been able to lock any of them up. And we've already seen them move Nikita Zadorov, got traded to Vancouver. I know, you know, that was a name that some Bruins fans um, were interested in because he is a very physical defender. Um, but yeah, Noah Hannafin is still there, still not signed to an extension. Elias Lindholm, still not signed to an extension. Uh, wasn't mentioned in these questions, but Chris Tanev's another one who seems like he's almost certainly going to be traded. Um, you know, another solid defenseman. So I guess I'll start with the Lindholm one, which is, you know, how much of an upgrade would he really be? And I think the interesting thing here is to me, in a, in a way, this is almost about how much you trust what you're seeing with the Bruins right now, because if you trust 
Pavel Zak and Charlie Coyle to continue playing the way that they've played and to continue to produce like top six centers. And if you trust Matt Potra to be a third line center all season and not have some sort of, you know, real drop off at some point, then you probably don't need an Elias Lindholm. Like, sure. If like, if a surefire number one center hit the market, you probably have to ask around, but you know, Elias Lindholm to me is a really good player who kind of does everything, but it's not like he's a superstar, right? Like his one year topping 80 points was the year that his line mates were Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk. Um, and they all kind of went off as a line. Otherwise he's like consistently a really solid 60 to 70 point guy, which is really good. Um, but is also like a pace that Zach and Coyle are on right now. So, um, you know, I was looking into five on five production and Zaka, since he got to Boston has been higher than, than Elias Lindholm. Um, Lindholm previously has generally been higher than Charlie Coyle in five on five production, but this year Coyle's higher. Um, Lindholm has dipped a little bit there. So, yeah, like at this exact moment with the way all of them are playing, I don't think Elias Lindholm would be uh, a huge upgrade. And for that reason, I don't think he'd be worth the price that it's going to cost to get him. But if two months from now he's still available and Potra's dropped off and Coyle's come back towards, you know, sort of his like career norms and isn't having a career year maybe you revisit it, but I guess at this moment, I wouldn't be in a rush to, to go give up, you know, multiple high end assets for Elias Lindholm. And since I just talked for a while, I'll let, I guess, you know, you guys respond on Lindholm first and then we can get into Hannafin. Yeah. Cause two completely separate uh, pieces, but um, yeah. So I think that like you mentioned, Scott, the, the centers think like, I guess it was more of a question in the off season. Like I, uh, especially before anyone had any idea who Matt Potter was um, maybe needing to add a center at this point, but as of right now, it doesn't look like they need to, like you mentioned, I still don't think Patra. I mean, I think Patra's completely inadequate third line center for the Bruins, um, we had a, a bunch of questions about him. So we will get into him uh, for sure. Big chunk of the episode, actually, because I feel like 70% of the questions, maybe more, were Potra related. Um, and he ties into this as well. But I just, like you mentioned, Scott, I think that the asking price is probably too high. And the cap situation is what the cap situation is and um, doesn't allow you to have much flexibility. I know. Don's weenie on Twitter mentioned maybe uh, adding Lindholm or another center so that you might be able to move Zaka or Coyle back to wing. Um, it would, I mean, I guess by adding a center, you're to create more winger depth. Like, I don't know if that's really what you want to do if, or you just want to add a winger um, rather than be like, okay, we're going to add this center and Zaka's now our winger again. Cause I think the long-term plan with Zaka is that he's going to stick and settle as a center. So like not keep bouncing him back and forth and back and forth um, probably would be ideal. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you guys. I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think adding Lindholm one for one is a major upgrade over 
Coyle and or Zaka as individuals. But if you're trading for Lindholm, I would imagine Zaka and Coyle aren't going the other way. So it's just a matter of adding strength and numbers up the middle um, and a little bit of versatility because, and again, Bridget kind of mentioned, but like we'll get to Patra, but it's just, he he's not a sure thing this year as a, um, it, it just remains to be seen. Like I've liked what I've seen so far, but it's t- it's it's tough to sit here and say right now in December, like yeah, I feel totally comfortable with Zaka Coyle and and Patra as your top three centers in a in a deep playoff run. It's 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 a lot to ask of all of them. You're talking about three guys that are being asked to play in a role that they haven't had to play so far. Patra being in all a- four centers actually Beecher too. Beecher too exactly. So I I always think that centers. You can never have too much strength up the middle. Um, the ask, I don't know what the ask would be. Um, I, don't, I don't think, I mean, whatever. I, I think maybe, obviously, maybe, like, what, what, what would Lindholm go for? What would they want for him? Like a, a first-round pick, a Lysel, or, like, I don't even, like, because nobody on the Bruins roster that the Bruins would be willing to give up, obviously, would go the other way. Um, and then besides that, it's kind of a bunch of, like, journeyman slash like bargain bargain pieces on the Bruins roster currently. So, well, yeah. And I mean, to Bridget's point about the cap though, like someone from the current roster would have to be going out, whether it's to Calgary or in a separate trade or a third team involved or something like, obviously they, they have very minimal cap space. So for either, you know, I mean, Elias Lindholm's at 4.85 million for this year. Noah Hannafin's 4.95 uh, Chris Tanev's four and a half million. So like any of those guys, like someone has to be going out salary wise. So um, yeah, you know, for me talking about these potential, you know, flames who could potentially be traded. Like I see Tanev as kind of a little bit of a duplication of Brandon Carlo, like solid right shot defenseman, really good defensively minimal offense, not overly physical. I, I, you know, I don't think that really makes a ton of sense for the Bruins. Noah Hannafin to me is the one who interests me the most because like he's, he's sort of been a little bit of a white whale for the Bruins. It feels like they're, they've been linked to him a bunch going all the way back to the draft when the Bruins, you know, made those trades that landed them three first round picks, all the rooms at the time were that they wanted to, trade up and their target was Noah Hannafin. And obviously that didn't happen. They kept the three picks and we know how that went. Um, but, you know, Hannafin's still, still 26. He's in his prime, still has several of his prime years left. Um, at size at six foot three, great skater, really good defensively, contributes offensively. Most importantly, maybe stays healthy. I was looking at this. Um, his career, like games played by year is basically always like 78, 80, 81. Um, the two COVID short seasons, like he played all 70 and 2020 when that year got cut off. Uh, he's played all 24 so far this season. You know, when we're talking about the Bruins defense and like looking for potential upgrades, you kind of always come back to, uh, you know, Matt Grizzlick struggles to get through the full season and get through the playoffs healthy. Um, 
Hannafin does that and, you know, it really has the all-around game that if you put him in a top four with McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, like, you have the best top four in the NHL. You know, like, that in some ways kind of d- different style player, but, like, kind of duplicates what you tried to do with Dmitry Orlov last year. Obviously, the sticking point here is what does that mean for Mason Lorai? Like, is he involved in the trade? Because you're going to have to give up a lot to get Noah Hannafin. Does what acquiring Hannafin and presumably trying to sign him to an extension, would that, you know, does that block Lorai? Like, what does that mean there? So that's the bigger takeaway. But, like, of the potential flames, just on the surface and just how he could fit right now in the Bruins, I think I like the idea of Hannafin the best. I couldn't agree more. I I would move I mean, I would move Lorai in a heartbeat from Noah Hannafin. I mean, it's again, if 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 Mason Lorai were 18, that'd be one thing. He's turning 23, right? In January, Scott. Yeah. And Hannafin's 26. And you're talking about a guy who's a bona fide like number one defenseman in the NHL. Um and you're talking about a guy that maybe has top four potential <laughs> honestly i don't even know why calgary would do it if not maybe just to try to optimize a, an asset that might be out of town at some point for nothing i don't yeah. know well, well who might be out of town ending. after this season he's he's right. a pending free agent and so, supposedly they were close on an extension early this season and then basically the, the reports are like hannafin walked away from the table and was like now i want to see how things play out a little longer yeah. Yeah. His contract. He's a, he's a free agent at the end of the season. It's like a four four and a half, or I think it's like a four and a half or a f- four and three quarters. Yeah, almost five million dollar contract that Hannafin has right now with a and his only like trade restriction is he has an eight team no like an eight team no trade list, which I doubt Boston would be on like well, yeah, no, i don't want to especially there. not since he's a he's a local guy i'm sure no <laughs> he would love to be a Bruin. yeah i think so and uh who wouldn't want to be um you know playing next to charlie mcavoy or like you know i'm pretty sure that sounds like a sweet deal to him especially if the bruins are in, in a position you know at the top of the conference or at the top of the division again um so i don't think that would be an issue um in terms of acquiring him like you mentioned I, I could see them taking Lari as a as a you know a really big piece in that trade, because I, like you mentioned, like you're you're gonna lose Hannafin anyway probably if you're if you're in a place when negotiations are have gone south and you don't think he's gonna come back or at least you know like there's a pretty good chance he's not. You're getting something that you know you're gonna be able to hold on to because he's still under his rookie contract. Um, and Lorai is obviously the Bruins' top defensive prospect, maybe their top prospect overall. I know we keep saying Lorai is, I, I mean, um, Lysel is, but Lorai uh, might may have passed him. I think that he's, I, I think so. I would yeah, say. I do too. So does does Grizzly going the other way, like, also make that deal worth it? Because it's it's a roster player, and you're talking about somebody on the left side, and player for player, I don't care how much of a Matt Grizzly fan you are. Noah Hannafin is a clear upgrade over macros like i'm sorry but he is so okay yeah. what in, in addition to okay so so the bruins are winning the trade there right you you, you give away grizz like you get hannafin but then they also get your top prospect in lori and they aren't losing their top defenseman for nothing in free agency i mean i do that deal in a heartbeat i know we pounded the whole um 
like Scott, and I know you've said in the past, like you don't want to give up depth on this blue line because you need depth in the blue line. And in this situation, you're giving away two left shot defensemen now. One's your top prospect and one's a viable, you know, borderline top four defenseman, but probably a third pair deep man on a on a deep team. Um, do you guys do that trade if that's the trade? I think I would. Me too. Yeah, I, I do I do too, but I think that maybe the first approach by Sweeney would be to try to not like lose two defensemen, maybe you know, keep Grizzlick around and maybe try to move a winger or I but I just don't really know who else they would be interested in. Um but yeah, because because of the depth, like we mentioned, Orlov coming in added depth. Um, if you're sending two defensemen out and getting one in, obviously your Hannafin's a big upgrade. But at that time of year, it it's still you still have value that you know you might be able to say Grizzly got hurt, or you know what I mean. You have Lorai there, or say Forber got hurt. Like you can bring Lorai up now. He's gone. Now he's not an option anymore. Just something to consider, I guess. Yeah, I mean, basically, you'd be left, like, for left-side options, it would be... It, Ian Mitchell can has played a little bit on the left. Like, that could be an option. And then if you look down in Providence, like, it's... It, Mike Callahan is having a really strong season down there, uh, but has not played in the NHL yet. Jacob Zaboral, obviously, is still there. Zaboral's time Wother- to shine. Parker Wotherspoon, we saw, you know, for a couple of games, like... Yeah, it, it obviously there's no one really in that group where you're like, oh, I'd be totally comfortable. There's no one with the upside of a Lori that, you know, you're looking at and you're like, boy, he could be, you know, this guy could really help us later in the season. Um, they're all kind of just plug-ins. But you got to give up something to get something. So um, push comes to shove, like, yeah, I'd be, I'd be willing to do that. And a big sticking point for me too is, and I said this earlier, but like, if Lori were an 18, 19 year old player, that's one thing. But he's already he's already in his slow, you know, early to mid twenties by by the time next season rolls around. It's like it's not, I mean, so that's that's the biggest thing when considering I don't want to just give away Lori, but you're talking about Hannafin, who's three years older than Lori, and he's been doing it yeah. in the NHL at this level for you know seven, eight years now. And and I, like I also think he he'd be exactly the kind of player that I imagine would be very appealing to Calgary because one, here they are trading away defensemen, like they're going to have to replace them somehow. And two, I don't think they want to go into a full rebuild. Craig Conroy has said that multiple times. So getting, you know, a top prospect who's close to NHL ready, I think in some ways, like that's probably more appealing to them than an 18 year old who's three years away. 